Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for the Modern Heathen Band. This is Joe, and I want to welcome you here today. And uh, we're going to discuss today Ragnarok. This is a really intense talk here today. Um, a lot of things that go on, a lot of belief systems with it, some other stuff that goes on with it. But we'll get through it. I'm going to read it first to you, and then um, we'll discuss a little bit afterwards. Discuss where we believe it is, where we believe it to be, when we believe it to be, if it's going to happen, or if it has happened already. And just a few other things that um, go along with the discussion of Ragnarok. So grab yourself a horn, grab yourself a cup, grab yourself some mead, grab yourself some cider or some coffee or just something cold to drink because it's really hot here in Alabama. Um, and join me today as we do the Modern Heathen Man on Ragnarok. Thanks. I'll be right back. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. I was looking for some new stuff for my beard, and I was looking around, and I wanted something my wife would like as well. I was looking for a good product that didn't leave my beard feeling greasy, that nourished it and kept it moist, and had a good scent to it as well. Um, so in discussing with my wife, we tried a few different things, and I found this wonderful heathen place called Beast Curiosities. Now, they don't just offer beard oil. They have quite a few different products available through them. Um, you definitely want to go ahead and check them out at BeastCuriosities.com. But I specifically tried the beard oil. Um, I tried Hell's Respite. I tried Tears Loyalty. And I tried, give me one second, Yord's Wilderness. All of these were really great beard oils. They all had wonderful scents that lasted a long time and would stay with me throughout the whole day. They nourished my beard and kept it good. And they also made it that it felt nice and was good to smell. And other people around me liked it quite a bit. So when you actually get in their oils, they tried really hard to produce an oil that does what it says it's going to do while nourishing your beard as well. They tried a few products so they got the great one together and they call it their magical beard oil i will tell you it is magical it smells great even after going to the pool with my wife for about three hours my beard still smelled great and felt great so with that said i'm going to tell you to go ahead and check them out again they're not only beard oil but beast curiosity is a place you want to go beastcuriosities.com you can also email him and check out his products at beast at beastcuriosities.com. They have a Twitter account at bscuriosities, and you can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash beastcuriosities. You definitely want to go out and get some of this if you have a beard. It is a wonderful product, something great to use. My wife and her friends all love this product quite a bit. So go ahead and get it if you get a chance, guys. It's a wonderful product. Thank you, guys, and have a great day. Okay, everyone, I am back. Let's first talk about Ragnarok. Just in general, I'm going to read you some stuff I found. Um, Ragnarok is the cataclysmic destruction of the cosmos and everything in it. Even the gods. When Norse mythology is considered as a chronological set of, chronological set of tales, the story of Ragnarok, Ragnarok naturally comes at the very end. We all know that. The word Ragnarok in the Old Norse are taken from Ragnarok, 
which means fate of the gods. It's apparently a play on words. Some pieces of old Norse literature actually refer to it as Ragnarokr, which is a twilight of the gods. The event was also occasionally referred to as Alder Rock, fate of mankind, and host of other names. Just so many different ones. Um, so here's the basic idea of what's going to go on. So someday, whenever the Norns um, decide, there shall come a great winter. Um, Fibber, Fimbulvatir, sometimes anglicized as Fimbolt Winter. Unlike any other the world has yet to see, um, the biting winds will blow snows from all directions and the warmth of the sun will fail, plunging the earth into an unprecedented cold. The winter shall last for the length of three normal winters with no summer in between. So for about nine months, uh, mankind will become so desperate for food and other necessities of life that all laws and morals will fall apart leaving only the bare struggle for survival. Um, it will be an age of sword and axe. Brother will slay brother, father will slay son, and son will slay father. The wolves, both Skull and Hadi, who have hunted the sun and the moon through the sky since the beginning of time, will at last catch their prey. The stars, too, will disappear, leaving nothing but a black void in the heavens. Yggdrasil, still the great tree that holds the cosmos together, will tremble, and all the trees and even the mountains will fall to the ground on Earth. The chain that has been holding back the monstrous Wolfenrill will snap, and the beast will run free. Jormungan, the mighty serpent who dwells in the bottom of the ocean and encircles land, will rise from the depths, spilling the seas over all the Earth and making landfall, causing huge tidal waves and flooding. These convulsions will shake the ship Naglfar, from its moorings, the ship, which is made from the fingernails and toenails of dead men and women, um, known as the nail ship, will sail easily over the flooded earth. Its crew will be an army of giants, the forces of chaos and destruction, and its captain will be none other than Loki, the traitor of the gods, who will have broken free the chains in which the gods bound him. Fenrir, with fire blazing from his eyes and nostrils, will run across the earth with his lower jaw on the ground and his upper jaw against the top of the sky in order to devour everything in his path. Jormungand will spit his venom over all the earth, poisoning the land, the water, the air, anything you can imagine that there'll be death and pestilence. The doom of the sky will be split, and from the crack shall emerge the fire giants from Muspelheim. Their leader shall be Surt, with a flaming sword brighter than the sun in his hand. As they march across Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge to Asgard, the home of the gods, the bridge will break and fall behind them. An ominous horn blast will be heard and ringing out throughout all of the known realms. And this will be Hemdal, the divine sentry, blowing the Yaller horn to announce the arrival of the moment the gods have feared, which is Ragnarok. Odin will anxiously consult the head of Mimir to see what he can do, the wisest of all beings. The gods will decide to go to battle, even though they know what the prophecies have foretold in the beginning, and they'll just continue to do it and arm themselves 
and meet their enemies on the battlefield called Vigrid, or Old Norse Vigrar, plain where battle surges. That's the definition of it. Odin will fight Fenrir, and by his side will be the Einherjar, the hosts of his chosen human warriors, whom he has kept in Valhalla for just this moment. Odin and the champions of men will fight more valiantly than anyone has ever fought before, but it will not be enough. Fenrir will swallow them, Odin and his men. Then one of Odin's sons, Vidar, burning with rage, will charge the beast to avenge his father. On one of his feet will be the shoe that has been crafted for this very purpose. It has been made from all the scraps of leather that human shoemakers have ever discarded. And with it, Vidar will hold open the mouth of the monster. Then he will stab his sword through the wolf's throat, killing him. Another wolf, Garm, and the god Tyr will slay each other. Hamdal and Loki will do the same, putting a final end to the trickster's treachery, but costing the gods one of their best in the process. The god Freyr and the giant Surt will also be the end of each other, Thor and Jormungand, those old age foes will both finally have their chance to kill each other. Thor will seduce, or sorry, Thor will succeed in felling the great snake with the blows of his hammer, but the serpent will have covered him in so much venom that he will not be able to stand for much longer. He will take nine paces before falling dead himself and adding his blood to the already saturated soil. In Vigrid. Then the remains of the world will sink into the sea, and there will be nothing left but the void. Creation and all that has occurred since will be completely undone as if it had never happened. Now, here's where we get into some things. Some say that this is the end of the tale, and others, the tale is just the beginning of a new tale. But others hold the new world, green and beautiful, arise out of the water. Vidar and a few other gods, Vali, Balder, and Hoder, and Thor's sons, Modi and Magni, will survive the downfall of the old world and will live joyously in the new one. A man and a woman named Leif and Leifthasar, Old Norse for life and striving after life, will have hidden themselves from the cataclysm in a place called the Wood of Hodmimir. And will now come out and populate the lush land in which they will find themselves. A new sun, the daughter of the previous one, will rise in the sky. And all of this will be presided over by a new mighty ruler, which will either be one of the Vali, Boulder, Hoder, Thor, Sons, Modi, or Magni. So we have to figure out who's going to do that. Other people believe that this is just a story made up by Christians to help heathens follow more closely um, to the ideal of what Christianity is when they were trying to um, change them over or, you know, proselytize them, if you will. So we can go ahead and go through this and take it apart piece by piece and see what it means and go from there. We'll talk about a few pieces of it and go from there, and I'll see you in a few moments.
Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse, and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night, and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble stores. Redbubble, say that three times. All of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They are incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash midgardmusings and youtube.com slash midgardmusings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S. We'll find you there at Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me. So, with everything going on with Ragnarok, we have to ask ourselves, where do we fit in the school? Um, there's obviously two different stories. One story has it where everything is gone and there is no more. Another story has it where there's a new earth with new gods and new humans, and they're able to go on. But either way, the old one is basically forgotten by humans and you know, all of our deeds and everything are gone. So we have to ask ourselves where we fit in this ideal of what we believe is going on with Ragnarok. Now, there's a few things that we have to look at. You know, the Christian influence has a lot to do with the rebirth one, um, the understanding that it's not the end. I mean, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the Vikings where, or not the Vikings, pardon me, the Norse, where um, you're looking at, the end of everything where there's nothing left, you know, and there's Christian people come along and say, yeah, but you know, that's not really the end. There's a little bit more after that. And there's going to be a new earth and a new this and a new that, and God's going to bring this forth. So it was more appealing to them to understand that they weren't just gone and forgotten. And it made them want to do better things and better deeds in order to be remembered as who they were. Um, we all do ancestor veneration consistently, and they do the same thing. I mean, they told many stories about their ancestors. And if the ancestors are gone, no one's going to venerate them. There's nothing left for them to be here for, to influence, or to enjoy in, or revel in, or anything like that. So think about how you feel as a Norseman when these people come with this great new ideal, but your religion doesn't have that ideal, so they may have adapted it a bit to meet that creation story, the fall of man, and everything else that the Christians believe, and then the end story of Armageddon. 
So, I mean, they do have a lot of similarities in them, Armageddon and Ragnarok, but I'm not going to say that in all honesty because they are way, way, way different. You know, other than the calamities and all the stuff going on, most religions have a end-time scenario where it's almost the exact same thing. So let's begin with talking about the first part, which is the part the Norns play in this. So the Norns, these inscrutable spinners of fate, decree it. So it, we're waiting for the Norns to say when Ragnarok is. So a lot of people, you know, the, the Norns are some of the most un or misunderstood players in Norse mythology by modern people. We all focus on the gods and the ancestors, and we kind of leave them out, but they play such a great role in what's going to happen. I mean, they call they call Ragnarok to happen. They see when it's going to be. And they decree it to happen that specific day when they decide it's going to happen. So I think we need to venerate them a little bit more and let them know what's going on and let them know we know of them and, you know, know that they're there, basically. They control this fate and see if they show us a little favor by not causing it to happen so soon. Um, the second part about this is we talk about Skull and Hadi and the great winners. You know, these great winners that are talking about last the time of three winners. Now, I originally said about nine months. That's because I live in Alabama. I mean, you know, winter here is three months long. So, but if we go back to, you know, the Scandinavian countries and the countries up there in the northwestern uh, hemisphere, we're going to look at winter being something like six months long to eight months long. And if that's the case, you know, you're talking 24 months, that's two years that this winter would last. So, you know, even that time frame is not totally understood by us. So it lasts the time of, you know, two winters, and that's 24 months. That'll be two years. And then um, the sun and the moon are going to disappear, so it'll be dark. Um, so all this is really going to happen in the dark, to be honest with you, from what I'm reading. Unless all this takes place on a specific day, there's not going to be much light because if Skull and Hadi um, have hunted the moons, the sky since the beginning of time will last catch their prey and the stars will disappear, leaving nothing but a black void in the heavens. There's not going to be much light on Earth at all, so there's not going to be anybody left to see all this. I mean... Maybe this is why the battle is so hard, because nobody can see actually what's going on. Um, the great, great tree, um, Yggdrasil, is going to tremble itself. Imagine the earthquakes that that's going to cause underneath the weight of it trembling. And all the things going on there, and you know the breaking of chains, and snapping of chains, and everybody's going to be loose to go ahead and fight. So... We're looking at all that, and then we have this giant serpent coming out of the sea, causing tidal waves and flooding and, you know, sinking the earth even farther and the wolf eating everything on top of the earth. This is a very grim idea of what the future holds for the gods. Um, and we have to take that into account when we're venerating them. Now, the biggest question I have is there's a school of thought that believes that Ragnarok has already happened. Or the Ragnarok is cyclical, like we've already gone through a Ragnarok, and we're the new people on the earth with the new gods, and those old gods aren't even there. Or that it cycles back to the beginning again and starts all over until, you know, Vinny, V, Vali, and um, Odin get it right, and 
do everything the way they're supposed to do, or it's just cyclical that it just keeps happening, period. There's so many schools of thought in Ragnarok that it's just immense. My personal belief system is that Ragnarok has not happened yet, that Ragnarok is yet to happen, and that um, the status quo is where we still have the gods and everything else, and the Norns are waiting to decree the actual coming of Ragnarok. Now, that's not to say that my way is right in, all, in any way, shape, or form, and I don't believe that my ways are always right, but I do believe that it hasn't happened yet personally. So, with that said, there's a few other pieces here. Um, the ship Nagelfar um, that has the giants on it is going to sail loose. And, I mean, it doesn't say much about what they're going to do other than I just can imagine destruction along with the ice giants and the fire giants that are coming from Muspelheim and stuff and the frost giants as they come and take over Asgard. And it kind of jumps around a bit for me. You know, it goes from the Earth to Asgard, back to the Earth and back to Asgard. So we're trying to watch things happen on two fronts here. Along with Muspelheim is the only other place that's mentioned and the... Um, the bottom of the tree and things like that. So we're watching all that. And then Valhall as well. We're seeing Valhall and the Einherjar fighting. So we have to really concentrate on what's going on with this when we're reading it. I think it deserves a lot more contemplation, meditation, thoughts, and just really striving into beginning to learn more about Ragnarok and learn more about what it means and what the byproduct of it is. I mean, if we do have the new the new gods here, which are going to be Valley, Balder, Hoder, and Modi and Magni, you know, we need to start venerating them as well if they're going to take over. And this has already happened. Um, especially Modi and Magni, there's not much very much known about them. Um, the Valley, Balder, and Hoder, we know a lot about. Um, and Balder... Um, you know, he's one of the, the nicer gods and we watch him and, you know, he survives Ragnarok, but again, these are the ones that we're going to want to venerate because if Ragnarok's already happened, that's going to be the only gods that we have there. And do we do them honor by honoring their ancestors, the people that went before them? So again, it takes a lot of a lot of veneration and a lot of contemplation to really get into who they are, what's going on, and what's going on with Ragnarok. When I come back, I'll talk a little bit more about Ragnarok, and I'll see you in a few moments. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such wonderful work that this man does. Cars everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. 
He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small DD poles of five to six inches for $40, seven to eight inches for $45, nine to 10 for 50, and 11 to 12 for 60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Balder, Bragi, Hamdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Yord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So he can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket altars will come in handy for you. So anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Okay, everyone, I'm back, and thank you once again for joining me. We're discussing Ragnarok here. So the key points I want you to understand with Ragnarok is this. Ragnarok is a pre-Viking tale from Norse mythology, dating from as early as the 6th century. Um, the earliest surviving copy dates to the 11th century. The story itself is about a battle between the Norse gods and the ends of the world. A happy ending of the rebirth of the world was tacked on during the Christianization period. Some scholars suggest the myth in part arose from the dust veil of 536, an environmental catastrophe that occurred in Scandinavia. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that real quick here. So, the core story coming of David is the later Iron Age between 500 and 1000 CE. Archaeologists Brasland and Price in 2012 have suggested that Thimble Winter was a real event. In the 6th century CE, a volcanic eruption left a thick, persistent dry fog in the air throughout Asia Minor and Europe that suspended and shortened the summer sessions for several years. The episode, known as the Dust Veil of 536, is documented in the literature and in physical evidence, such as tree rings throughout Scandinavia and in many other places in the world. The evidence actually suggests that Scandinavia may have borne the brunt of the dust veil effects. In some regions, 75 to 90 percent of its villages were abandoned. Grassland and Price suggest that Ragnarok's great winter is a folk memory of that event and the final scenes when the sun, earth, gods, and humans are resurrected and a paradisical new world may be a reference to what must have seemed the miraculous end of the catastrophe. So we have to look at that as well. And as I said, I mean, I don't not believe in Ragnarok. I believe there is an end and I believe in the battle and everything else. The happy ending is the thing that I have not really set my mind to in all honesty so we look at that and have to determine what's going on what do we get from this either way well what are we going to get from it and what are we going to do as modern heathens for this 
ideal of Ragnarok? Well, you know, it tells us basically we could take one of two schools with this. We either take the first school where, you know, nobody's going to remember us anyway. Let's not do anything. Let's do whatever we want to do. You know, you trade to be married for tomorrow. You may be dead kind of a thing. Do whatever we want. Well, the second school is, while the generations are here and continue to honor us, you know, the next generation, next generation, next generation, you think of your family history and how far back it goes, think of how much farther forward it could go. And if we leave things for those people, they can then venerate us and we leave these for them. And, you know, we have all these edits and everything. Who says they're done being written? Maybe there'll be great people that do things in heathenry later that'll come up and people write books about them and they'll add the eddas and it'll grow the library of heathenry really big we just have to decide where we're going to fit on that spectrum of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do ragnarok for us i don't believe is the end especially since it says that people survive now it says about the new earth and everything else later but it really doesn't say that in the original one, but it does say that people are going to survive in the original one where, you know, everything supposedly ends. But if it does end and like everything that they know is cyclical and everything we know is cyclical, everything from day coming to night, coming to day, coming to night, coming to day, it's a cycle. Same thing with life and death and rebirth and everything else. We all know that all this stuff is cyclical and we have to determine whether or not the same process is carried out or not in Ragnarok. I believe it's just the transition from one to another, not necessarily a rebirth or a remaking or a retelling or a new cycle starting all over again, but just from one to the other, like from spring to summer or from summer to winter or from you know winter to fall, whatever you want to call it. Just a moving of the time frame, a shifting of things as it happens. With that said, if you guys have any comments, please go ahead and post them on Facebook on Modern Heathen Man. Or if you want to email me, email me at themodernheathenman at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for joining me today in the discussion of Ragnarok. I will come to you soon with another discussion. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Mm-hmm.